This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have all you folks here today. Again, a wonderful service ahead as, as we look at, you know, new and what does it look to renew things? And, and it's a service, you know, every year we try to do one that's based on relationship. Because relationships are really important. So whether you're single or divorced or you've lost your, your near and dear relationship or whether you're married or about to get married in a week, just saying. If any of those are true, you know, I think all of us would agree that relationships are important. And this is all part of this series. We're looking at a new commandment, a new covenant. This week we're looking, please say the R word with great gusto. This week we're looking at a new relationship, wherever you are in your relationship life, wherever it is, how do we find renewal in our relationships in life? And then next week, we look at what a new church actually is. Now, with starting with this, one of the real blessings of my job, first off, is that I get to come here on Sundays and share life with you folks. Big blessing. Get to do service things. Big blessing. Get to work with people pastorally all the time. Big blessing. And I also am very fortunate that I get to do weddings, which is like everybody's best day. So that's been super fun to do over the years. And, and I'm trying to understand like with weddings and, and with, with relationship and how does this all work and, and how can we, we take this and, and take what we've learned together and, and try to package it in a way that can help other people out with their stories, with their relationships, some of which work and some of which don't. So I want to talk about, like, how is it that relationships, what might be a way we can start to hold it? Well, I think the key part with all this, folks, is to hold that it all begins with original blessing. Anytime you look at the Bible, anytime you look at life, anytime you look at anything, I think it's real important to start that there is an original blessing. You're made in God's image and likeness. And I feel so much of our lives, we tend to start later than that. We tend to start with the recitation of life's challenges and problems instead of being in a place where we're like literally sitting in life's blessing. Like literally in the blessing. Because even folks, you know, some of the funny stories of uh, some of the challenges that we have in, in life, uh, you know, the, the, they may come a point where actually even that in some amazing way can feel like a blessing. You know, it may not feel like it right away. Weddings are a prime time where you see smiley faces where, where we start with that idea of an original blessing. And in the new church, we celebrate this as a beautiful, wonderful thing. It doesn't always work. And we still try to celebrate this as something that, that either we get in this life or that we get in the next. We call that conjugal love. I like the Celtic phrase, anamkara, which means soul friendship. That idea of deep meets deep. And we've all had those relationships, I imagine, maybe not always with a partner, but we've, we've had them with friends, we've had them with family. Those deep and meaningful and rich, rich, rich relationships that can add so much to our lives. And what can happen there, folks, it becomes this. True love and marriage is the precious jewel of human life. It can become this thing that makes a big difference out there in the world. I, I tell couples all the time, you know, can you create a marriage that actually leaves footprints? 
A real simple process, and many of you have heard me say this before, it's the simple process that moves from I am first. That I am first when you know, that I am first when you realize that somebody likes you or is interested in you, finds you a friend. That second phase, I am second, where we can learn to serve, and then the final phase, we, we are third. Where we move to a place where we can actually offer beautiful things out there into the world. Now, as we go through this process, folks, like relationships, and I think so much of life is learning about transformative love, not transactional love. I talk about that all the time. And it's trying to create kind of these these places where we can learn, really do the hard work that it takes to learn what unconditional love looks like, how it works. Because unconditional love, it's, it's not like soft soap. It's not, unconditional love, I think, is one of the hardest kinds of love to actually practice. Because it means we have to learn to love one another, flaws and all. And the question becomes, are you willing? Are you willing? Drama, disruption, and change will always hold within them a quiet invitation that will break us in the right places if we accept the challenge. Are we willing to be broken? And what broken, what broken looks like, if you look at this next quote, what broken looks like is this shift in our hearts. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I love that idea. You know, this movement from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And we have to allow kind of a breaking to take place because that will open us up. Our hearts are either broken open by great love or by great sorrow. And I think for most of us, it's a both and. We've experienced both at different times. And a quote to remember through it all is this beautiful Leonard Cohen line. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Now, for today's service, I wanted people to have a chance to kind of, yeah, hear some of the theory part for me, but the theory part for me pales by comparison to the real-life experience of you. I mean, I really believe a job as a pastor is, is to come amongst a group of spiritual experts, which is his congregation or her congregation, and to start to hear their stories and start to pull and glean information out of that. So we're very, very fortunate today to be joined by Krista and Chris. So I'm going to ask them to come forward. I'd ask you to give them a warm round of applause as we sit over here and have a little conversation about relationships. So please welcome them to the stage. All right, they're, they're super nervous. <laughs> super nervous. So the first thing you guys have to do is you have to say hi to the audience. Hi. <laughs> How you guys doing? Good. And tell them, Chris, you have to tell them when you're getting married. Um, next week. Uh, Saturday, June 30th. And that's like, woo! <laughs> Super exciting. So, so what I did was, was I was chatting with them, and I thought, you know, have a chance to have a little talk about relationships. This couple's come. I, I don't just do weddings. They have to meet a number of times. And we go through and we chat about things. And this couple's been a ton of fun to work with. And I just wanted us all to get a chance just to hear a, a conversation, all right? So the first one is, first thing I want to hear is about falling in love, all right? How did that happen? 
All right? I don't care who goes first. All right, there you go. All right, well, first off, thank you so much for having us. And when, when, uh, when Krista told me that you had reached out, I mean, it was just, I don't know, very, very honored to be here. I'll right. just say that. Um, so, yeah, so the first time we actually met, Krista doesn't remember it, but that's okay. Uh, we were at a party, and apparently I didn't make enough of an impression on her for whatever reason. Uh, so the actual first time we met is irrelevant. But the first time she remembers us meeting <laughs> um, was at a bar, as most people do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of noticed her. She was uh, standing a certain way, if you will, and uh, caught my attention. And I walked over, started talking to her. Uh, we exchanged phone numbers. Uh, I didn't call her for a week and two weeks. And <laughs> so she called me, and she's like, what's your deal? Like, who, like, excuse me, how dare you take my number and then not call me? Um, so after that, we started dating, and I don't know. I mean, I guess the rest is, uh, I don't know. Here we are, eight and a half years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, if, and if you could put it, if you could put it in one sentence, what you most fell in love with with her? I think like her heart. I don't know. She's one of the nicest people, one of the best, like just kind-hearted people I've ever met. Maybe next to my mother. I don't know. But but no, I mean, just this this energy, this just like kindness, this warm-heartedness that I feel like I don't often have. I mean, I tend to be a more kind of. I don't know, selfish person, for lack of a better term. (laughs) Um, So just the fact that she's always thinking of other people first, uh, I I think if I could be a little bit more like her, it would probably make me a better person. (laughs) Um, So that's why if I can't be like her, I just keep her around. That's good. That's good. That's good. (laughs) They have a long car ride back. Yeah. What did did you fall in love with with him? Um, I'd say when I saw you kind of open up with him. Okay. <laughs> I'm not good with microphones. Um, no, I think when I when I finally saw you open up into this kind of like, I remember one of these big dates Chris took me on, and he planned this whole trip to New York, and he loves New York, and I am like an outdoorsy, like to hike, be out in the wilderness, and he took me to New York, and he kind of showed me all of these wonderful things that New York has to offer, and he planned this date, and everything was for me, and that was the first time in my life that anybody had done something to make me happy. I'm always, I, I feel like I'm kind of like, like I get excited, like for our wedding next week, I have all these things planned and I keep hitting him like, oh, wait till you see this. And wait, you know, I like to do things to make people happy. So the first time that anybody ever really did anything nice for me was Chris planning this trip. So that kind of made me call for him. That's good. That's good. You can hold on for the next, you can get that. Okay. So, and, and <laughs> we had talked about this a little bit. So, so a lot of young couples, and we have some of them in the audience here today, you know, for a lot of young couples, it's, these times are challenging. Like they're very different from when I grew up. Like I grew up where there was such a thing called a party line and phones had cords. And the idea of a camera phone was as bizarre a combination of words as you could have. You folks growing up very, very differently, coming of age, very different season in this, in this world's history. And what do you think, like, what are some of the stresses that you think that creates, unique stresses that that might create for couples today, for relationships today? Um, I think there's definitely that dependency on technology. You kind of let life keep happening, and then you've forget to focus. So, you know, sometimes it's like, we might only be able to get that text in of, hey, how are you? Or, hey, I love you. Um, And it doesn't necessarily make up for the, in the morning of like, hey, I love you and giving you a hug, you know, that touch. Um, 
So, I mean, for us, we're not very, like, techy, and we are, we kind of stress the old-fashioned, so um, if it is a text of, like, hey, I didn't get that, I love you in the morning, like, I usually say, hey, I'm sorry I missed you, <laughs> I love you, you left before I woke up today, because yeah. um, I decided to sleep in, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think we try to avoid that. Um, That's great. Yeah. That's great. I think it gives people a false sense of reality. Yeah. Like the whole like social media and, and Facebook. I, I'm not a big Facebooker or Instagram or whatever. Um, I, I think it's tough because I think when you look at other people's posts, it's like they're highlighting a very small piece of their life and they're making it look as perfect as it possibly can be and all this kind of stuff. And it's like you're scrolling through these pictures and you're like, oh my God, these guys are so great. Their lives are so perfect and this, that and the other thing. And you're like, you know, then looking back at yourself saying, oh crap, well, why can't I be like that? Why can't my be like that? My life be that good. Uh, but the reality of it is, is their life isn't. Yeah. And, and I think it kind of, and I think outside of even relationships, just like life, like you watch kids growing up now and it's, it, they have like such a lack of self-confidence because of this false image that's being projected. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just trying to overcome that to make people realize that like that's, that's this much. And then also looking at your own relationship saying like, you know, we have those moments too. Right. I mean, they, they may seem few and far between, but you know, they're, they're there and, and, and that's really what you want to focus on versus, yeah. Yeah. you know, everything else that really goes on. So, so that's what I want. Thank you. That was the beautiful opening there. So I want to talk for a minute about those moments, right? We, we all have those moments inevitably as couples. And we've talked about this a lot. You know, those moments where it just ain't working. It's just really, really hard. And at those moments, there's, there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of things we have to think about. And, and when you guys think about it for yourselves, like, I'd love to hear you say, like, well, what I've learned is when things get hard, what I've learned that I need to do is, you know, fill in the blank, sort of what you, what you kind of feel like you've, you've learned to, do you need to think about it? Do you want to go? You I, have some? Yeah, I have some. <laughs> All right, I got it. Um, I think, so the hardest thing for, for me was, you know, when we would hit those points was, um, you know, always trying to feel like I have to fix it, I have to fix it. And there's sometimes where you just have to, like, stop, let things happen, let nature take its course. Um, I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> I got nervous. Wait, what did you ask? Well, you were just—it's just like what, what have you learned? Don't you love these guys? You know, uh, you know, just just that. Like, what have you learned in those hard moments? And that idea—I love what you're saying, right? Because yeah. that's—that is always a big compulsion—is to be a to be a fixer. Could I could I call Absolutely. to the booth here for a minute? Yeah. Could we cue the Dracula slide here, please? I know, but I think I can change him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we try to, we try to make those changes, right? We try to fix those problems. And we also, next slide, we also try to fix our partner in terms of other problems as well. You, that you know, house? like, is that yeah, that's your house. That's your house. That's your kitchen. So, so, that's, that's, so that's, that's the idea, like, like fixing that. So. Yeah. I, I the, and I, and see, so you reminded me. Now yeah. I remember. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is, is like when there have been times where I'm like, I don't know how I can do this anymore. And Chris has always been that one that's like, no, we're going to fight through this. We're going to get through this. And there's been times where he's come home or, or things are just so hard. And he, I think questions even, you know, we've questioned our relationship. We've been together eight and a half years. So there have been really difficult times, but we've always had the other person. We've always been blessed enough to have the other person that's fighting for us. So when I'm like, 
at what's end, and he's like, no, it's okay. We're going to get through this. So I think that's what's worked for us. That's great. That's good, because now you gave me thoughts. So <laughs> this is good. Um, I, I think for me, it, it comes down to like, uh, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know the best way to phrase this, right? But it comes down to like just pure emotion in, in, in any sense, right? Like you're going to fight, you're going to be, or you're going to be happy. You're going to be with each other. It's going to be great. You're going to fight. You're going to be mad at each other. Like that's what it is. But at the end of the day, as long as there's something there, then, then you, then you can work with that, right? Like I'll ask Carl, like, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? And she's like, I like, don't talk to me. Like, I really don't want to see you right now. I'm mad at you. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yes. Cause it means like she still cares, yeah. right? Like the lack of like pure, like no emotion whatsoever. That's when you, I think you have an issue. Yeah. Because at least if you're mad, then you still care and you yeah. want to fix it. And yeah. that's really what it's about. It's about wanting it. Like you want to make the yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. work. Yeah. So as long as you're both kind of wanting to do it, no matter yeah. what, what's going on is, you know, you, you can do it. You can work through it. Well, I, and I always find it interesting, right? Like apathy really is the enemy. You know, when I, yes. when I would, when I would coach, I would say like, you can't coach height. Well, and, and somebody who's, who's apathetic, like you can't coach someone out of that. Exactly. It's just really hard. Yeah. If someone's checked out, like someone's there's nothing you can do. There's nothing yeah. you can say. There's nothing yeah. you can, you know, but as long as they're still checked in, yeah. Even if it's a rock, rocky check, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> um, there's, there's something to work with. Something yeah, to work yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. All right, so your last question. Big breath. <sighs> you know, and, and you guys, like, in a week's time, right, we're going to be over there at the Bernathy Cathedral. You're going to be going through this incredible moment, right? Just incredible. And I'd love for you to just share with the audience. Like, when you think about your hopes for your marriage, your hopes for your wedding day, you know, what, what are, what's the hope that sort of you captured in a sentence or two? What's the real hope that you're bringing with you into next week? Your happiness. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a good time at the wedding, I'm going to have a bad time on the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I always, I always think in my mind, like, I just hope everything, like, works out. Yeah. You know, like uh, she mentioned before, I mean, you know, we're going through stuff with, with work and, you know, thinking about career options, both for myself and for her, uh, where we want to live, what kind of family we want to raise like this. Like there's just so many things kind of in place or kind of not in place, but kind of out there that need to be put in place. And I just kind of hope that it all comes together in the right way. And I think it will, like, I'm not like, I'm not worried about it per se, but, uh, that's just it. I just hope everything. And what about the marriage? What about the marriage? About the marriage? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope, I don't know, I hope, I hope Jeez. Well, what do you mean? That's, it's a weird, what do I, I, I mean, I hope, I hope you're happy. I hope we're happy. Yeah. Like, I hope, uh, I don't know. I, I think we're on a good track. I hope we continue going on it. I don't. Yeah. That's perfect. Is that a bad answer? No, no, not at all. That's a great answer. You have a better one. Go ahead. No, I just, you know, I think the biggest thing is my favorite thing to do is laugh. I love to laugh, and I like to laugh at myself. I love to laugh at you when you take things too seriously. Um, <laughs> so it is, but you know what? I, I don't think that you can take life too seriously. Yeah. You know, and even with the wedding, we've planned it for a year and a half, and it is what it is. We're going to show up next week, and I get to marry this guy. So I'm thrilled about that. And so for our life together, our marriage. You know, I just, I hope for lots of laughter. I hope that for everything that we fight about, we're able to laugh about, you know, a little That's bit good. later. Yeah. So it, just laughter. I got, I got a better one. Oh. Sorry, I thought of something. This is good. You should talk first all the time to give me a minute to kind of like. That. Remember those you know, words. Conjure this. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to shot myself in the foot on that one. I take that back. You don't want to talk. No, honestly, I, 
I hope, you know, I said earlier that, you know, you have these characteristics that I, you know, think I should be more like, and I hope that I can become that. Like, I hope mm -hmm. I can take some of those characteristics. I always say I'm going to do it, and that's kind of like my line, like whenever we get into a fight, and I'm like, oh, I know I'm selfish, I know I'm, you know, a bit of a jerk, but if I could just be more like you, and you could be, you know, whatever, and it never ends up working. So I hope that, <laughs> I hope that it actually does one day, because I think that if I could be, you know, it's good. if yeah. I could be that way, I think I'd be a better person, I think we would be better together it's too. Good. So, it's good. Well, speaking as your pastor, you guys are wonderful. Thank you. You're no, wonderful. Just, well, thank you guys so much. Give them a round of applause, folks. You can go on down. Thanks so much. Well, thank you guys for great. They were super brave, weren't they? That was great. Now, as the, as the band comes out for a middle song, you know, just thinking about that. So think about this, think about this. You know, relationships, they, they work, they have hard times, some last, some don't. But the ideal is this. The ideal is that we're going to keep on working at it. We're going to keep on trying. Whatever relationship we're in, and if we're not in one, we're going to find one. Just keep on working at it. Because I think ah, that's what matters. That's where life can really start to come open. And when we come back, I want to give you some very specific tools for ways to constantly renew your relationships, even those that are struggling. And that'll be after our next song. Thank you. Those beautiful harmonies, right? And I feel like so much relationship, when it really works, it, it feels like it's harmonized. And again, that relationship may look different ways for different people, but it's indeed a beautiful thing. So what I want to do is, is I want to give you some super, can I share super practical stuff with you? Yeah. This is like super practical. Super practical way to do it. And, and you know, I've worked with couples for years and there's just, there's all kinds of little things. You know, one simple, simple story I'll share with you was a funny one from a couple. I, uh, you know, they were, they were driving through Conchahawken. She sees this big, beautiful house and, and this is, they're just about to get married and, and they look at this big, beautiful house and she goes like, honey, that's the house I want. And of course, all the men in the audience, please tell me what they told her at that moment. Please say it. Too expensive, too expensive. And that's not what she asked or what she said. You know, and I said, well, what if you just played it a little differently and just said, what do you love about the house? You know, so I want to share with you some super practical pieces that we can think about. And I want to base them around the idea of a 12-step approach. So I think basically, you know, when we start with this, we have to understand this, this basic, basic piece about how God works. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I love that passage in the Bible because I feel like God is, is constantly just gently knocking on the door. And we get in our relationships and we get stuck. And has there ever been a slam door that's been part of a relationship? Could we please get a yes on that one? Yes, yes, yes. And, and it's so hard to kind of like, oh, I know I gotta, oh, I just, I can't, oh, I gotta go and I gotta apologize and I gotta actually knock on the door. And I actually have to say, I'm sorry. Maybe there's a way that we can think of that as reflection of God here. You know, a reflection that God is forever knocking on the door, forever asking to come in, and not just to come in to lecture. <laughs> but to come in and eat with us. 
Literally, that kind of relationship, which is the kind of relationship I think all of us want in so many ways, in so many very important ways. So I want to give you some examples here, and if you have a, a cell phone, you're more than welcome to take pictures of these. This is just taking the basic approach of a 12-step, which if you understand anything about Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Al-Anon, Naranon, you know, it's 12 steps, 12 steps to spiritual growth. And it's not about like the next time you hit a big relationship trauma that you practice all 12, but there's, there's some beautiful themes under this that I think are so incredibly important. The first one is, is again, just to simply understand, and before I show you the slide, I want, want you to get clear on this. You know, that God is just always the, his, his invitation. Please listen, because I know some of you are in here with broken hearts today. Please listen. He is always, always gently inviting you home. He's always, always gently inviting you home. And from a new church perspective, what gets in the way is not a God who's decided to turn and walk away from us, but our own egos that have decided to turn and walk away from God. So the first steps are about that turning back, about that opening that door to this invitation. So here are the first three. I am powerless over my negative thoughts and feelings. And again, we're, we're putting these in terms of relationship language. So just getting, I'm powerless. Like, I got these thoughts going in my head, and they're crazy, and I just have to get rid of them. They're just not working for me. Pray to God to restore me to sanity. I mean, how many of us have had relationship issues where we've gotten so angry, and it's just something insane comes out of our mouth? Please raise your hand so I'm not the only one. You know, like, just something, like, how did, how did that come out of my mouth? Right? That's an insanity. We need to be restored back to sanity. Then we have to make a basic decision to turn my life and will over to God. That, that I can't do this. Like when I'm really in a bad place, I can't change. I have to learn to turn it over to something bigger than I am. And God's not going to do that, folks. He's, he's not going to, like when we make that turning, we don't believe in it and I told you so God. We believe in a God that welcomes us with two hands that wants to help us find that healing, wants to help us to do the work that will make a difference in all of that. Now, the next one, the next slide. This is where it gets a little tricky. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, than that they lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Let me check my microphone here. I'm going to a little bit. No. All right. So you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, now the line here, folks, that I think is so important. So, so, so we get that basic, that basic part. All right. So I need to, like, get that God's got to be part of this. And then we have to really understand that there's a part of us that needs to lay down our life for our friend. And those closest to us, like, that's one of the hardest things to do, to lay down our life. Now, I'm not talking literally, like, lay down your life. 
But here is where we need to lay it down in terms of our ego concerns. In other words, we need to lay down. Please listen carefully. You're all listening carefully. Please give me a big yes. yes. Lay down your need to be right. Did you hear what I just said? Lay down your need to be right. Thank you. <laughs> lay down your need to be right. Simple thing. Statement should never follow statement. A question should follow a statement. Honey, help me understand. Honey, I want to support you. What does support look like? That sounds hard. Tell me more. That's what laying down our life looks like. Can I tell you a story from my marriage yesterday? So, so my wife and I, my, my wife, this is like, this was a guy's dream. So my wife's like, honey, I'm taking you new car shopping today. I'm like, oh, you know, could this be better? You know, and so, so we go new car shopping and uh, we didn't end up buying one because I'm too cheap. But, um, you know, we, we go, we go car shopping and, and that is like anything with money with couples is challenging, you know, and, and just watching my own piece, like the, the salesman, my wife wants a new car and she just wanted me sort of along as her sidekick, which is a ton of fun. And, and you know, the salesman, I mean, this sounds awful, but if you're with a couple, who does the salesman talk to, the husband or the wife with a car? The husband all the time. And I, I had heard that, but it's like true. And I feel like going, dude, <laughs> I'm with her. Don't talk to me. But there's part of my ego that wants to go, well, yes, I would like to know that about that accessory. And then the guy scatters away to go talk and he's like, honey, I can get you a better deal than that guy's offering right now. And I, I just, I have to learn to shut up. I have to learn just to be quiet. Because I love my wife. She wants a new car. The salesman's got to have the conversation with her. And of course, as I said, you know, she decided not to buy the car, but it was, it was her decision. I'm there to support it. Now, for those of you who think that's easy, I've been married 30 years, <laughs> and it's hard every time. Because I got opinions on everything. So what does the 12-step have to say about this? How could we look at this with the 12 steps? This is one that I would definitely take a photograph of. 12 steps. Take a, fear, a fearless moral inventory where I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, or inconsiderate. So I'm always putting it back on me. You'll remember this, what I'm about to say, right? Put down the magnifying glass. Pick up the mirror. Can we say that together? Put down the magnifying glass. Pick up the mirror. So it's not about them. It's about me. Even if I'm only 10% responsible, I'm going to be 100% responsible for my 10%. That's what matters. And you let them do their thing. Share with another person the nature of my wrongs. In other words, so I, I find someone, and oftentimes this isn't a spouse, it's somebody who can just say, yeah, you know what, I, I really messed up on that. I became ready to have God remove the character of defects. Now that one's always kind of funny. Like it has to be its own step. I become ready to have God remove these character defects. The problem is we like our defects. That's why that one's there. Because we actually like it. That, there's a part of us, I think, I think, I think, and maybe I'm just speaking for me, but I hope not. There's a part of me that actually enjoys some of the drama of a good argument. I like that character defect in some weird way. 
So we have to pray for God, pray to God to have him remove that. So we pray to God to have removed these effects, make amends, make amends to those I harm. And a lot of that, folks, what I love is this phrase. Get a load of this phrase. It's a beautiful one. Something called a lived amends. So it may not be something per se where I'm like, I'm deeply sorry for this, even though that's very important. It may be something where you actually make a lived amends. In other words, you actually live differently, and that's what changes things. And the final one there, make changes to heal the relationship. Make the changes to heal the relationship. And then as we go on, this is how it moves. This is how it all wraps up. We learn to practice all the above daily. And if you need a real quick step, if you need like, I need to check, I just need a summary. I can't even remember five things, much less 12. Here it is in, in quick form. Ready, folks? You're going to say it after me and you're going to say it loud. I right, say it first, then you say it. I can't. You can. I'm asking. So I can't, God, I, I can't get out of this. But I know that, that you can bring softness, gentleness, healing into my heart. I'm asking, please do that. It's a good little three-step. And that's why we pray only for the knowledge of God's will for me and the willingness to carry it out. It's, it's about like, okay, God, what's, what's your will for me? What's, 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 I was thinking yesterday, maybe this is, is, a, is an odd phrase, but just think, what's pleasing to God? What's pleasing to God? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me and she with me. Like what's pleasing to God is honesty. What's pleasing to God is gentleness. What's pleasing to God is forgiveness. That moves, that moves that change. That moves that change where I'm not, I'm not, please listen carefully to this. I'm not loving this person in a way where I'm saying, I will love you if you change. I will love you only when you change. It's I will love you. I will love you. That's it. And we can say that knowing that what it does, if we, if we really, really buy into this Christian message, is it creates the space for people to change. Creates the space for them to find their true selves. For them to find as well their togetherness. And then the last part we do, folks, is we carry this message. We carry this message to others. We live it as best we can. These are not easy steps. These are not easy things to do, but there's, there's a reward for marriage. I mean, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, last week we had a funeral at New Church Live, and, and you know, it's, it's, this is what the work is. We tend to think, misidentify the work, that our work is somehow taking our partner's moral inventory and figuring out a way to change them. But really, it's about finding ways to change us. Not in a selfish way, not in a way where we ignore them, but in a way where, where we get the part of the problem that we're playing. And we're willing to work on that. 
I mean, folks, just play it by ear. Imagine the, this, putting in your head the most strained relationship you have right now. Put the person in your head. Imagine the next time you see them. They saddle up beside you, and they say, look, what can I do to make this relationship better? What would you say after your jaw hit the floor? You can be that person for someone else. You can be the one where it starts. That idea of let it begin with me. You can be the one who follows Christ's message gently knocking on the door. You can be the one who is inviting them home to who they actually truly are. Because I think in terms of what we know, to close with this slide, that we don't always know what to believe. We don't. I mean, there's, there's just very little certainty out there in the world, but we do know this. But I usually know what love requires of me. Thinking about that, like, like what are the requirements of love and what would love require in this situation? What would love require in this situation? What would love require over here? That's the work. And can I share one last sentence with you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Please always remember this. The work is good. <laughs> Your ego will tell you something's wrong because there's work. <laughs> I want to tell you as your pastor, as somebody who loves you, the work is good. Let's have a week of work. Thank you for joining us today. Amen. We're now going to close today's service, and I'm going to come right down here to do the last prayer down here and to get me down there and them up here. I'd ask that we, again, for Christian Chris, give them a warm round of applause as they join me for a prayer. Get to hold my hand, big guy. All right. <laughs> yes. So please join us in prayer. It's an opportunity for you to say prayer. Have a moment of quiet reflection. Say the Lord's Prayer as you know it. Or to just have time to consider the work. So Lord, we sit here today thinking about newness. Thinking about becoming new. Moving our relationships forward. Even the strained one, Lord. Moving it forward to more closely reflect your love, your truth, your grace, your way of life. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here among us today. We thank you for the presence of this amazing couple. We thank you for the sharing that we've had. And Lord, allow it to be a message. We go out from here feeling blessed by the opportunity we have to do the work, the work of discovery, the work of curiosity, the work of finding a life beyond our fears, our anxieties, our desire for control, which is always, always, Lord, the work that will lead us home, that will lead us to you, that will lead us to understand your message more and more. And let us remember this week, Lord, that the work Work is good. 
Bless this congregation. Bless everyone here today. Bless this world. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.